Hello world and welcome to another fun, fun edition of Here's a Guy. This is episode 20. That's right, we've, we've reached the 20s. And we are going to uh, uh, mark it as an event every time we uh, uh, we reach another 10 episodes. Um, because we're just as surprised as all of you. So uh, yeah, thank you all for sticking with us this far. And for episode 20, we return our usual cast. Starting with me, I'm Alex, coming to you live from here in St. Louis. Um, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, the first of which is my older brother, Cody, coming to us from Illinois. Cody, how are you? Good. Um, not looking forward to the third straight week with a snowstorm or whatever the fuck it is we've got coming up here shortly. But uh, um, yeah, it's going pretty well other than that. Um, work is starting to wind down a little bit, so I'm not busy every night and pulling what little remains of my hair out. Yeah, and you you are, you know, I, I can say this because I don't think this is any, you know, surprise to you or anything you can dispute, but you are running low in that category, so <laughs> yeah, work cannot be getting too much more insane for you or cuz you're 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 getting to be right on the brink. So, yep. Um and finally, joining us as always from Indianapolis is Jack John. How about you, Jack John? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing better now that I actually have internet. The last 12 hours of my day, um, previous to this, I had zero internet, which wasn't the best. Uh, I almost Say, how the broke fuck did down. You survive? I almost broke down and researched my topic in a book. I was that desperate. But uh, luckily, <laughs> the, the internet gods blessed me, and I had enough bandwidth to research my topic for tonight. Well, thank God you didn't resort to something like that. I can't yeah. fucking read. All of my research comes from videos, so God help me if I ever have to fucking read for this. Sh- <laughs> Can you imagine being in the era where to look something up, you'd have to look in a fucking encyclopedia? We wouldn't find uh, half. Just, the, we wouldn't find half the shit. First of all, no. I've I've got encyclopedias that just like have like been passed down to me through generations, and I think I could look up some shit in it. I think it's in alphabetical order, but goddamn, if I know how to actually do research out of that. Yeah, I remember when we or, were... Or, God forbid, go to the library. the fuck is that? Yeah, I remember when we were kids, um, we had the guy come by to our house and uh, do the sales pitch with all the, like, uh, <laughs> research books. And our, our parents bought them thinking, like, yeah, when we get older, we're going to need them. Um, I think I... U- I'm not going to say I never use them, but I think I only use them once. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's honestly... It's, like, it's, only, it's cool to have on a bookshelf. But yeah. it's almost entirely useless for me, one, because it's impractical, two, because everything in that book is fucking outdated already. Well, sure. See, yeah, and also, <laughs> like, the, the books Alex is talking about, I don't I don't think I ever used them for, like, schoolwork or anything like that. But there was some neat stuff in there. So yeah. I'm not going to say it was a complete yeah. waste of time. There was some legitimately pretty yeah. cool shit. It's a fun, like, my, like, boredom read, you know. Yeah, my, my family has, like, a really cool one from, like, the History Channel that was, like... World War Two in like forty five volumes or some shit where it was just like different battles like chronologically through shit and it's cool to look at but I'm never gonna open those books more than once. Imagine reading that all the way through. God, just a depressing a dry, fucking slog. Bone dry, shot for shot reenactment. Of a lot of shots in that. World War II. Yeah. So um. Over the weekend, so a, a nice thing about being a, a state employee is uh, occasionally you just get shit like having two three-day weekends in a row. Um, 
So this weekend, uh, I had an educational, enriching, but fun activity. One of my favorites. I went to the zoo for the first time this season. Oh, hell yeah. Um, it was hell yeah. an unseasonably warm day, which does, unfortunately, also mean that we're about to get another snowstorm. So it was always precede, like, 17 inches of snow. Yeah. Um, went to the zoo. Um, not my first time going to the zoo in, in uh, a winter month. Um, the St. Louis Zoo, of course, one of the premier zoos in the country, and it's also free. Um, and I am a zoo member, so I get free parking as well. I didn't pay for Jack. Um, Fuck yeah. And uh, so that was cool. I'd say downsides of this trip, um, there were a couple things that were closed for the season, like the entire area where they have a lot of like the big African animals and the elephants was closed. Um, plus sides, first of all, um, they have a baby chimpanzee and it was out playing. Oh, that's awesome. And you know what? I, I don't care if you're a hardened cynic like I am. You can't see a baby chimpanzee playing and not smile. You just can't. It was incredible. The biggest yeah. grump I, is I, I challenge it to anyone. Yeah. That, and like, Ebenezer truly, Scrooge wouldn't be able to make it through that. And like, think of how many trips to the zoo we have made in our lifetime. Dozens. Been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, that was something I had never, ever seen before was a baby chimpanzee. So um, that was cool. Um, I was like the city of monkey exhibits for like an hour. It's just fascinating to watch because they're usually, aside from all like the shit throwing they're doing, just fascinating just to watch them just go like and like run oh, around. Last time Alex and I were there, the St. Louis Zoo has just put in a a big new outdoor exhibit for yeah. a couple. I, I think there's like two or three different species of lemur that are in there. Ooh. Some lemurs but and the spider they, they monkeys built, are in there, and some gibbons, things like that. All the yeah, like they, climbing. They built premise. them like this this big, like rope covered, uh, just like a big like a canopy enclosure playground out basically. in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah, it's got trees in there and all kinds of ropes and fun stuff they can swing on. And what they do when they feed them is they put um, the food like strategically placed around the enclosure, and then the monkeys like so they also have a little fun. They get to like swing up and grab it or right. you know, all that kind of stuff. So we happened to be there at feeding time last time. That was one of the coolest things we'd seen in a long time. Yeah, Those little guys were getting after it. That was unfortunately also closed on Sunday. Um, part is like there had been. There's still a little bit of like slush and stuff on the on the ground. Yeah, um, from a few probably, days ago that hadn't melted probably yet. Probably too cold for lemurs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when when we went last fall and saw that, I mean, yeah, I could have just just it's stood not lemur and, weather. I could have just stood and watched that <laughs> shit for hours. Truly. Um, yeah. See, other positives. There was um, really the apes were all they were all out and about. I'd never seen them that active. So a lot of times you go on like a hot day, and they don't want to be out in the heat any more than, than anybody else does. Yeah. And so you don't see much of them, but in the kind of, you know, cause it was like 55, 60 degrees. They were all out there having a great time. Um, there was in the reptile house, this kind of neat, the, the black mamba that they have was <clears throat> really active. It was like slithering right along the front of the glass and, and was like making eye contact with people. And like, <laughs> I've seen Harry Potter, so I wasn't totally, <laughs> that thing might have murder on its mind it's one of those where like when an animal makes eye contact with you and you know it's making eye contact with you it's not just a coincidence 
Yeah. It is a, a weird experience. Like, you have that kind of moment with them. Yeah. Um, well, especially if it's an incredibly poisonous snake. Right. Yeah. Or, like, if it's like an octopus where you're like, this is an intelligent animal that's already actually planning to kill me. But, no, I just said uh, an RIP to Kobe, and uh, it seemed to calm it down. <laughs> Black, Black Mamba, the fastest snake in the world, I learned. Um, mm-hmm. I learned he, as I was uh, running away from it. He told you he just oh, wanted to good. go to Brazil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on the outside of the primate house out in the open there's a big uh, american alligator like a huge one and it, it's so it's so i feel like this is not the first time this has happened with this particular alligator but what they'll do in the daytime like the middle of the afternoon when the he sun has is a out, history of these kind of incidents <laughs> they, will just, they will just sit out in the open with their mouth open and just not move for like hours and so there's this crowd of people and you could hear everybody debating like is that thing real because it's just not moving and occasionally you'd see like its eye move a little bit and like no it's just incredibly lazy he's (laughs) he's doing the best ploy possible he's waiting for a bird to be like that's not a real alligator i'm gonna test this out and then when the bird like lands in his mouth like the beautiful nature flying trap he is he just snaps it down and eats it um, is this thing real? I I think it'd be in an enclosure if it was real. <laughs> yeah, they, they used to have peacocks running around the zoo. That would be a whole other twist if That's they true. had uh, if they had alligators roaming around. Um, it's just the one, and uh, it's just because he got out one day, and we haven't been able to catch him. So just keep look, your eye out. Uh, we we sent three of uh, of our interns in there to like to go grab it, and uh, they didn't come back. But the alligator's still there. I, I mean. <laughs> Look, it's free. What the hell do you want? So you get I, what you pay for. I know I know this guy, and I'm not going to say his name or give any specific hints about who he is because oh, I'll put it this way. He, he may or may not be an elected official somewhere and, um, <laughs> and would not probably want this story getting out. But um, he went to a, a – uh, it is not in any of the states we live in. Um, I'll say that. So – um, he went to a wedding where the reception was at the zoo. They do that sometimes. Um, and apparent he got, he had a little bit too much to drink and, um, told the people he was with like, all right, I'm going to get in an animal enclosure before we leave. Oh no. Like, I don't know about <laughs> no. that. I don't know about that. <laughs> and, um, he, he did. And he picked, pro- he picked probably the only one like none. It's not acceptable in any event. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but he, no, he made probably the smartest choice for everybody involved, which is he jumped in where they have the the giant uh, ancient tortoises. And so on my phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. And again, I will not be sharing this picture. So this is like I say, sometimes ask me in person. Do not ask me this one in person because I'm not showing it to you. <laughs> um, you two. I'll show you two. But um, I have a picture that this guy shared in a group chat. Yeah, I've seen this picture. It's of hilarious. him. Drunk as shit in a suit, standing next to a a giant tortoise <laughs> that is almost the size of him, with a big goofy grin and a thumbs up. So, um, but I do not recommend getting into any animal enclosure, even if they are the the laziest and most gentle creatures in the entire zoo, which is what the tortoises are. So, um, and that's how Alex got a picture of Mitch McConnell hanging out with his homies. I would not keep that one secret. <laughs> to be clear, this family is family reunion. To be clear, it's a guy. It's a guy I like, um, and he's damn lucky that I like him um, because this is some incredible blackmail material that I have uh, if I wanted to. Um, 
What are that could be any tortoise. <laughs> so what are uh what are a couple of do either of you have any any favorite zoo institutions? It's... I mean, um, let's see. For me, I I've always liked the. Of course, the penguin house is awesome. Yep. Uh, it smells yep. horrendous, but it, once you get over that, it's the, once you get it's it's really cool how close mm-hmm. you can get because they're just kind of sitting up there. So I mean, you're you're just like eye to eye with a penguin. There's nothing in between you. Like you're just you're just chilling with a penguin. Um, that's always really fun. Um, also, one of my things that always kind of trips me up when I go to the zoo is. I always forget until I see them in person just how fucking big gorillas are. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I've been compared to a gorilla before. So in my head, they're not that much bigger than me. I go to a zoo and I'm like, God damn, that is a giant animal. Yeah. <clears throat> One big gorilla. It is very jarring yeah. when you when you see it in person and you're not yeah. ready for it. It's honestly the same reaction I have when I haven't seen you in a while, and I see you in person. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's a big Cody. Holy shit. <laughs> have you gotten larger? For, for me, my, my, I, have, I have two answers. My first answer, my real answer, is I could watch a seal exhibit all goddamn yeah. day. I love watching oh, yeah. giant, fat, beached dogs of the ocean just laying there doing nothing. And it makes me so happy watching them just like literally roll around on their backs and be the happiest fucking animals in the world. <laughs> My fake answer, which is probably the thing that I've seen in person that's just amazed me the most. There's a Bass Pro Shop in Memphis. Oh, is this the one where it's a big that pyramid? That doesn't surprise me at all. The pyramid. It has a live alligator pit in the middle of it. And it was the most bizarre instance of me seeing live animals in my entire life. Tennessee. Do they? I'm get. I'm hoping this is a recessed pit with a barrier around it. it. It's it's like a giant like glass enclosure in the middle of a fucking Bass Pro Shop, and there's fucking alligators in it. I mean, just Tennessee. You save money on you save money on a night watchman that way. You just open a gator enclosure. Yeah, you try to break into the place that has alligators. Tennessee, just one of truly one of the most insane states in the entire nation. Yeah. I mean, sense. we've talked we've talked about Florida and Texas a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, they're Tennessee your they're your and underrated. Those, right. those are your standard bears, but but Tennessee is completely nuts. They're doing some wild shit there. Yeah, Tennessee just for like the diversity of style and attitude that exists in that state. Like, you know, two cities both in Tennessee, Memphis and Nashville, could not be more different. Totally oh, yeah. different personalities <laughs> yeah. and history. I am Team Memphis for the record. Yes, yeah. me too. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun place. I saw a concert there, but on the way in, we were like, "Hey, look at this big ass pyramid! Wait, why is there a Bass Pro Shop logo on it? Let's go check this out." And then the entire like massive fucking pyramid is a Bass Pro Shop, and it was the strangest moment of my uh, my entire summer. That's probably as close as uh, Tennessee's ever gotten to the Aztecs building those giant <laughs> temples to their gods. Same amount of slave labor, though, I'm sure. Probably. Um, first of all, backtracking just a little bit. Um, one of you mentioned uh, poop flinging uh, with respect to the apes. Um, I did see, I mean, seeing the baby chimp playing was cool. I did also see uh, one of the adult chimps drink her own piss, uh, and a lady <laughs> nearly gagged because of it. That that was great. I mean, that's just timeless zoo fun right there. 
Um, what I mean, that's a that that's a that's uh, the the new show we have taught uh, chimpanzees <laughs> to imitate Bear Grylls. <laughs> What's God, great what's, is what's he doing these days? Has anybody heard from? Yeah. Did he drinking like, his own piss? I'm guessing. Did he like go out someplace? That and seems not to come be back? what he does. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about Bear Grylls in so long. I truly do wonder if he's I'm, just I'm out hoping, there someplace. <laughs> I'm hoping that that since COVID started, he's had to like stay inside for the last two years. <laughs> I'm sure that's driving him insane. What What was the movie they that a few years ago about? Um, um, about like kids growing up, and they genu- genuinely took like twenty years to film it. Um, Bear Grylls is doing the, oh, the, the yeah, yeah, nature yeah. survival guy version of that. Um, he and it's probably going to be to similar results. It's going to come out, and nobody's going to give a shit, and it's, it was just going to be a huge waste of time. So, um, mm-hmm. um, the other big positive for my trip, uh, the bears were very very active. Um, that's always a plus. Speaking of animals that are are. Uh, even bigger in person than you expect them to be. Uh, the polar bear, especially, he is a the, uh, huge yeah. boy. Yeah, the St. Louis the St. Louis Zoo has a uh, <clears throat> pair of twin grizzlies that are very fun to hang out with. Tom and Huck, shout out to uh, to those fellows. One of them was like up and was like standing up on the glass to see people. It was pretty neat. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a successful trip to the zoo. Had a great time as always. Um, so, but. You know, before we get into the meat of the show, um, bears in particular, really big bears, um, does transition us to something we wanted to touch on. Um, if you haven't seen a big news story going on in, I think, California, is that where it's happening? Um, yep. Hank the Bear, or Hank the Tank, as they call him, um, he is a uh, gigantic fat bear who is... Uh, um, been a been been a little bit on one lately out in California. Has uh, been uh, breaking into some houses to eat the trash, and uh, apparently loves finding pizza scraps. Um, and it's just going going completely hog wild, having a great time. Um, and we wanted to send our our thoughts out to Hank because um, the authorities are after. For, let me say this: so I saw I saw an article going around about this, where the headline described Hank as being on a crime wave. Now, I I have told myself, as part of my personal growth in the last year or so, that I need to stop taking every little thing so seriously. But that being said, we're accusing a bear of being in a crime wave. Bears, Bears can't have the requisite mens rea to commit a crime, okay? No, bears do not understand the concept of the law in the slightest they because just, they're fucking bears. They're just do. They're animals, you know? Um, so a, a bear cannot go on a crime wave. Let's start by saying that. Um, rather, it has found a survival method that happens to be brutally embarrassing humans. And you know what? First of all, we fucking deserve it because we're, we're the yeah. worst creature on earth. Um, yes. But also, unfortunately, what the authorities have stated, they're, they're, they're on a bear hunt. They are trying to find Hank the Tank, and unfortunately, they have announced to much outcry. I don't know if the outcry is going to be enough to to change their minds. That once they catch Hank, they are going to euthanize him. So, yeah. our our thoughts and and solidarity and critical yeah. support go out to Hank the Tank in this time. Which is our, bullshit. Our favorite furry, our favorite furry fugitive. And it's bullshit because if if Hank was a polar bear, they wouldn't be shooting him. But you think Hank was a bear. polar bear. 
If Hank was a polar bear, he'd probably Wait, shoot no, 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 them. no. Apparently, no. they're assholes. Let's go back one joke. What? Made a black bear versus a white bear joke. <clears throat> Excuse me a minute. This is fucking bullshit! Trying to do a real fucking. Alex isn't coming back, is he? <laughs> My my goal was to just see if we could not say anything for the entire time he was gone, but I don't think we're going to. Really curious as to what. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Uh, sorry, I needed to do something real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so. But, I haven't had one of yeah, those in a one while. Of the things, one of the things that really sucks um, about. Apparently, Hank is a very, like, good-natured bear. Yeah. Like, he's totally yeah. non-aggressive. He's very... Right. He's got a very docile disposition. Like, people will come in and find him, like, r rifling through the trash, and he'll just kind of yeah. look at him like, Hey. Right. I'm, I, I'm a bear. It's basically, he's, he's basically just, stuff. like... He's a big raccoon that doesn't realize he's a bear. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I did see the, an article I read, though. It had a quote which just made me laugh... This bear has lost all fear of people. It doesn't know what the fuck fear of people is. It's a fucking bear looking for food. Yeah. And because you're trash people and left food laying out, it goes, hey, I smell that shit. Like, it's figured out a way to uh, yeah. sustain itself that, that doesn't require being aggressive at all the people. Yeah. It's just eating fucking pizza scraps. And yeah. I'm sorry, and if, I mean, if you pig eaters would actually eat your crust like <laughs> decent adults, this wouldn't happen. Right. It's bread. What the fuck are you worried about? <laughs> also, my girlfriend's gonna get who upset. Who the hell? <laughs> who the hell is going to call? Who's gonna call animal control and Hank the bear? Right. You got to be real. Because like, if that if that were happening around here, and like he broke into my apartment, when Jack comes to visit this weekend, he would just open the door, and it would be me and the bear sitting on the couch eating pizza. <laughs> That's yeah. What it would be. It has anyone considered just trying to befriend Hank? Is that so out of the question? I am sure some people have. <laughs> yeah. the, it's what I love is just a lot of the locals are just like, yeah, no, he, he she's just here. I, I don't give a shit. The, another article I read. You don't name. He just sits there and eats. You, he doesn't attack. He doesn't growl. He doesn't make rude faces. What part of California is? Is this like Northern California? This is from. I, uh, South so. Lake Tahoe, California. Let me look up where that's at. So if this is from like the the San Francisco area, we are talking about a a a region of people that have tried to create like a dystopian police state because of people shoplifting from Walgreens. So I unfortunately yeah. don't have it is it is the border of Nevada, just like northeast of Sacramento. Hmm. I don't know much about so, the, I don't know much about the um, culture of that. I'm talking more northeast of uh, San Francisco. Huh. I don't know much about the culture of like that part of Northern California, yeah, but so it's like mid California. I'll, I'll hold out a little bit of hope. Um, or at least that's where this article is mainly sourced from that I saw. But non, also, non Las just, Vegas Nevadans seem like decent people to me. So yeah, I feel like everyone in Vegas would have loved this bear. If it was just a little bit further oh, south, yeah. it'd be a fucking attraction tomorrow. Yeah, it'd be opening oh, up for Gilbert Gottfried. Guys in the casino. <laughs> it'd yeah. be opening up for Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, I'd still a better show. act than Carrot Top. Um, no, I, it, as far as this uh, bear being, you know, potentially dangerous, so they have to shoot it. 
The townspeople named him Hank the Tank. Yeah. <laughs> you don't name a bear that you're afraid of something that cute. Yes. It just it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it's all solidarity out to Hank. Um, um you know, we, we, we offer our critical support to you. If there was something we could do, you know we would. Um you're in our thoughts. Um so yeah. If you're I'll, ever in Illinois, look me up. That's right. <laughs> I would definitely watch I'll have some pizza for you. I would definitely watch a, a show where Hank is paired up with like a stoner guy. It sounds perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. So, with that, our thoughts go out to Hank. Um, but as, as important of a topic as that is, that's not what we're here to do. We are here to do what we always do, which is to talk about some guys. So let's get right into it. Uh, Jack, you want to help me out? Yeah, yeah, I think I remember. It's um, the guys. Very good. And so, should it have been the bears this week? Ooh. Well, on that note, I mean, keeping in the spirit of what we've been talking about, because we're, we're a very animal centric um, show so far, and I'm definitely in the mood for that. What with you know uh, going to the zoo, and I always rediscover my my childhood like nerd out brand of love for animals. Um. And so fitting, this week, episode 20, we're going to break some new ground here on Here's a Guy. Ooh. You know, we've covered a lot of different types of people um, in our in our topics. You know, I've had Here's a Guy, Here's a Gal, all different, you know, people from different classes, races, um, all sorts of different things. But this week, I'm going to do something um, uh, that we've never done before. So for the first time, folks, here's a lizard. Oh, <clears throat> That's right. I mean, except for if you subscribe to certain conspiracy <laughs> well, theories, we probably covered several <laughs> lizards already, but... Well, touche. Um, <laughs> but this is indisputably a lizard that we're, uh, we're talking I, about. I think we should probably clarify that none of us believe in reptilians, I don't think. You know, at, at a certain point in... I'm more of a crab people guy. At a certain point in this topic, <laughs> I'm not suggesting... There, there will be no suggestion that... My lizard topic this week had anything to do with a conspiracy, but there is a weird uh, tie-in to (laughs) an event. (laughs) We'll we'll get to that. Um, So my topic this week, um, none other than Ulrip the Horned Toad. Um, So to start with, just to clear this confusion up, Horned Toads are not toads. Um, It's a colloquial name for a genus of North American lizards found primarily uh, in Texas and the Southwest. So, where do they get the name Horned Toad? That's very simple. They have little uh, spikes and spines on their body that look like horns, particularly two above their eyes, and they look kind of like toads. They're very cute. They're they're little brown, kind of plump little guys. They're they're adorable. Um, so yeah, you, if you're if you're the type of person like we are that has some affection for amphibians, yeah, these yeah. these things are really cool. Yeah. Um, but of course, to clarify, they are not toads. They are very much lizards. Um, there are several subspecies in the United States, um, but most commonly found in Texas, also called horn lizards or horn frogs, which is where uh, TCU Athletics, of course, uh, gets their name from. So um, a, a fun fact, what I really should have done I, before I, I really should have reached out to our college buddy Hacksaw, uh, huge reptile guy, asked him for his oh, yeah. thoughts on horned toads, but I just completely forgot. Yeah, um, pro- professional reptile guy. Yes, but uh, shout out to our friend Hacksaw anyway. Sorry I couldn't get you involved in this, but. Um, but I do have one fun fact about horned toads. Do you know how they defend themselves? 
I do not. Let's see. Is it like buzzards where they just puke like projectile vomit at you? You know, believe it or not, it, it is possibly even grosser than that. But you, you are definitely on the right track. What they do is, no joke, they shoot blood. They've trained themselves. They've tra- they've trained themselves to use uh, AK forty sevens, and <laughs> they uh, they shoot blood out of their eyes. Oh fuck! They they have these little glands behind their um, tear ducts that are uh, always filled with blood, and when threatened, they just shoot a stream out. And predators are basically like. Well, what the fuck? And they just leave. <laughs> it, it, That's I bet hardcore me, shit. I bet if you leave me in Vegas for a weekend, by Monday I can do that. <clears throat> um, I, I picture it a little bit like that scene from It's Always Sunny, where Charlie's trying to make it look like uh, yes. um, like he's going to cough up some oh, blood, God. but he swallows all the blood capsules, and it makes him just like launch fake blood <laughs> vomit onto the poor woman who's just screaming. That's what I picture it being like. I've been poisoned by my horned tone constituents. Um, so the story of of uh, this particular lizard begins in 1897 in Eastland, Texas. That's right. We're going back to Texas, which means you know we're in for some wild shit. Um, Eastland, it's a fairly small town in the western part of the state. Um and so in, in uh, the town of Eastland in Eastland County, the county, for whatever reason, um, in 1897, decided they wanted to do a time capsule. Why not? Um, while they're putting it together, it just so happens, the county clerk was a guy named Ernest Wood. Uh, his son, Will, had caught a horned toad and named it Blinky. Why? I don't know. <laughs> you, come up not? With a, you come up with a good horned it, toad name. It was Blinking. It seemed Blinky. Um, he just, uh, he just listened to Enema of the State. Yeah. So, um, Will had caught this horned toad named Blinky, and so Ernest Wood decided this would be an opportune time to test out the regional belief that horned toads can survive long periods in hibernation. So, he put the poor lizard into the time capsule along with a Bible, some liquor, and other items, and encased the capsule into uh, a concrete cornerstone of the local courthouse. So first of all, what a it fuck- sounds like they're gonna what a fucking dick. It sounds like they're gonna hang him in the morning. Left him a Bible and some liquor. What is he being executed at dawn? That's what I love about signs from this era. They're just like, hey, I wonder if this happens. I don't know. Fuck it, let's try it. Like there's no there's no repercussions. This is like, hey, can a dog live if you submerge it in milk? I don't know. Let's see it. And they're just like drowning dogs for science. Like this wasn't even. It'd be a stretch to even call it science. This is just idle curiosity. Yeah, this guy was a fucking douche. Not only did he just <laughs> surely doom Blinky the horned toad to his death, he also stole his son's pet to kill yes. him. <laughs> what an asshole! Yeah. So, um, into the time capsule, into the concrete cornerstone of the courthouse, Blinky goes. Uh, fast forward thirty years. Um, Eastland County, it's tearing down the old courthouse uh, to put up a new one, and that seems like as good an opportunity as any to open up the time capsule. Um, so officials, they uh, they set this big public event for it. They get the newspapers to hype it up. Uh, people came from all over the area, and a huge crowd gathered at the courthouse for the event, um, which took place on February 18th, uh, 1928. Uh, a very bored region be... of people. This has got to be worse than Geraldo opening um, Al Capone's vault. Like, 
That's the only thing that could be worse than if there was nothing in there. If Geraldo had opened that up and it just been some liquor and a dead horn toad. Well, what these people apparently figured out that Geraldo did not, which is that you got to manufacture something interesting to happen. Um, So it's not just going to happen for you, you know. So um, this huge crowd of people gathers. They're all excited. They pull out the capsule, they reach in, and they pull out the horned toad. Um, the county judge holds it up by the leg when suddenly something surprising happens. The lizard starts moving. Oh, shit. And supposedly the crowd just goes fucking wild. This is the coolest Weird. thing they've ever seen. They all know the backstory. Um, so now, before we go any further, let's start by getting this straight. This was absolutely not the same lizard. Can we all agree oh, on no. that? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that the three of us and the listeners are all on the same page. Yes. There is no chance that this was the same lizard. All right. Now, now, now look, it I was mean, buried I, with the Bible. All things are possible through horned Jesus. So let's uh, uh, let's respect the opportunity. Table that thought, Jack. Horned Jesus come is back just today. Oh God, damn it! <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. No, there are certain reptiles that. Um, because their metabolisms slow down with temperature. If you keep them in cold storage, they can survive yeah. for a really long yeah. time. But he's just under the fucking ground. Like, this yeah. is just a lizard in a box. Also, I, again, I'm I'm pretty ignorant to biology, but there's a limited supply of oxygen in this, like, one-by-one box, probably. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing. Like, there are <laughs> animals that can survive very long periods of hibernation, reptiles sometimes being among them. Um, yeah. But for one, 31 <laughs> years is quite a long time. Um, Even in ideal circumstances, nothing has ever suggested that a horned toad or any other reptile can hibernate that long. And I say ideal circumstances because this was not for the reason that Jack just said. They put put him in this box and encased him in concrete. There is no air in this thing. Like, even when you're hibernating, you have to be able to breathe. I'm not familiar with any vertebrate that can survive 31 years without breathing. And I'm not a biologist. That seems impossible. That's not how hibernation works. You don't become yeah. an inanimate object. Like, you still have to, like, your body still has to function. Even if you're the David Blaine of fucking horned, horned toads, you still need some way out. No, this well, would this be closer. This is more to... like a David Blaine trick. I was going to say, this would be closer to the, the stupid end of Now You See Me, and we know how <laughs> stupid that is. So, um, oh. but here's the thing this was 1928 in West Texas. And whether it was out of ignorance or just out of boredom, um, the folks in Eastland, they had no interest in poking any holes in this story. They renamed the lizard. Or the box. They, they renamed the lizard Old Rip after uh, Rip Van Winkle. And they completely run with the story. So now the townsfolk, they had that excuse built in. I mean, you know, it's, it's fucking rural Texas. And, you know, they probably were just interested in something interesting going on. But when the word got out, it... it the story blew up and it reached all the way up to the newspaper of record, the New York Times. So it's time for a reality check, right? Like the Times is going to set everyone straight about what really happened here, right? Wrong! The Times reported the story as if it was totally genuine. (laughs) So after this comes uh, the next level of scrutiny, which was the public discourse about it among the scientific community. And most seem to agree that it's not possible but this one guy who is uh, the, a sub-guy in this story by the name of William Hornaday, he was the curator of the New York Zoological Gardens, 
Um, he claimed that it was totally possible, and in fact, he had seen something similar once in Sri Lanka. My response to that, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, dude? He's he's the one in ten like uh, dentist that doesn't recommend brushing your teeth with like a certain toothpaste. He's just saying weird shit just to be that guy. You, you know, he's you, like the guy who goes on the movie review websites and says this happened to my friend Dave to whatever yeah. movie it was. <laughs> Remember um, back in, I I think around the, the time that, that Trump was first elected, the pictures of his doctor claiming he was in perfect health. The guy just looked like yes. a fucking random deadhead. That That is basically <laughs> yeah. this guy of the zoology world. Um, a couple other notes on, on Bill Hornaday. Um, he was, he was known more for two things, one very good and one very bad. The oh, very no. good thing is um, his conservation efforts arguably saved the bison population in the United States. Um, so good on you for saving an entire species, let alone one with the uh, um, incredible history that the bison have. Uh, the bad thing that he did in 1906... Um, he displayed a pygmy Congolese woman at the primate house of a zoo. And mm. when some people started asking questions about like, uh, you sure it's a, it's a good thing to have a, a human being on display at your zoo. He was like, well, I don't, I never heard anybody complain about it. And he just kept doubling down and doubling down. So mm. I mean, I don't speak Congolese. So yeah, I've never heard anyone complain about it. <laughs> so Bill, yeah, Bill Hornaday friend to the bison population. Um, uh, shit stain on the field of zoology outside of that. So, but apparently he was... Friend to bison's enemy to everyone else. But he, he was totally uh, convinced of the uh, uh, story of old Rip the Horned Toad. So, <laughs> if you are too, you have that guy on your side. Look, I've never heard any horned toad say that it isn't possible. So, until I hear the horned toad himself say it's not possible, it's possible. If you do hear the horned toad himself say it's not possible or possible... You are living in fear and loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> so let's get back briefly, Jack, to something that you said earlier. So as for how the folks in Texas explained all this off, look, I've done a good job so far of not making fun of Texas. Oh, but it's simply a matter of record that their justification for how this could have happened was that they, they did entomb him with a Bible after all. And so he must have had God on his side. You you make you make it so difficult, Texas. Imagine being in that town, someone who like lost a small child in an accident. Yeah, which it was back then, so it was probably like, happened like every day. <laughs> yeah, I've lost three children this week. I guess God was busy keeping that fucking lizard alive. I just, I just wish there was a town drunk that was a little bit quicker on his feet and would have been, it was the liquor that kept that toad alive. And then all of Texas was like, fuck it, probably. That's an interesting origin story for uh, <laughs> for that state's that's, prodigious drinking. That's, that's my Marvel superhero. It's the drunk toad that survives death. So at this point in the story is when a familiar face has reentered. Um, if you remember Will Wood, the kid who originally caught Blinky, now an adult, he comes back into the picture and he takes custody of old Rip. But he, Will, had higher ambitions than his little hometown of Eastland. First thing he does, he takes old Rip up to Dallas to put on display. Eastland, the community in Eastland was really, really upset by this. 
the the business owners they look at as like well here's this thing that's going to bring in all these people here's our fucking cash cow and you're taking it out of town we have nothing else here and just the regular population was their thought was like yeah we have nothing else here this is the only interesting thing that has ever happened in this town and you're going to take them up to the big city fuck you how many times in human history do you think someone has sat down and thought to themselves this lizard's my ticket out of this town <laughs> At least once, uh, and that's just—it's just me and my car and my horned toad against the world. Oh no! Um, Will's t- intuition was right about this, though, as we'll see. Um, so to deal with this situation, I guess reading between the lines, Will kind of felt bad, and for a bit he did bring Rip back down to Eastland, which uh, led the city of Dallas to sue him for breach of contract, alleging six thousand dollars in damages. I did not find out how that lawsuit went, though. Um, was he just like sharing custody with the two towns with this fucking toad you've got a major city in America and a fully established town in a tug of war over a lizard yeah a lizard who by the way this whole time is just fucking chilling like um, they, they I forget what they kept him but they have this little setup for him apparently they're just feeding him ants all day like like they, they treated old Rip very well by all accounts um He's living well, he was stuck in a box for 31 <laughs> years. If they're to be believed, I think they owe him that much. So Eastland kind of is reestablished as, as their home turf. But Will, uh, then he takes Rip on a full national tour, including a stop right here in St. Louis, where by some reports, and I, I have some skepticism about this, but by some reports, um, during the time he was in St. Louis, a total of 40,000 people came by to see him. An entire Cardinals game worth of people came to see old Rip the Horned Toad. Just imagine you go to Bush Stadium, and you're just, like, packed in deep, and then there's just a small box on the pitcher's mound, and everyone's just fucking going nuts. I'm picturing Adam Wainwright just lifting up old Rip (laughs) to the crowd, and everybody's going fucking ballistic, like he's Simba. Well, I mean, actually, it would be Miles Michaelis. Well, well, if you get that reference, you get that reference. It gets, uh, I was going to say, it it, go, it goes bad for old Rip after, after he's done holding him up, though, I think, if history has any bearing. Jack, uh, car- current Cardinals pitcher, Miles Michaelis, when he was playing in Japan, supposedly ate a live lizard to enter, oh. entertain his teammates. So, yeah, keep him <laughs> away from Rip. Um, but when I put it like that, I actually kind of want to see this now. So, <laughs> so uh, this national tour, it all culminates with Will and Rip traveling to Washington, D.C., where they accompanied Texas Senator Earl Mayfield into the Oval Office to meet President Coolidge. Um, and how this went was like the most Calvin Coolidge thing. Um, Coolidge did have a bunch of questions for Will, but when they presented Rip to him, first of all, Coolidge, he really didn't want to touch it, so he just like took his glasses off and kind of just nudged Rip with him. Um, and then apparently they just like stared at each other in silence for like a full minute. Just... Totally on-brand Calvin Coolidge reaction. Yeah, he was a—he was our most awkward president by by a country mile. As the newspaper put it uh, to describe this interaction, Silent Cal had met his match. Um, <laughs> the only creature more listless than he was. Uh, <laughs> so Rip was such a sensation. Um, this is kind of one of the only bad things to come from this. Um, Horned Toads... It was a similar phenomenon to what happened with owls after Harry Potter became a huge thing. Horned toads became a popular pet and would get sold at like fairs and stuff. 
to the point that the Department of Agriculture actually had to crack down on it because there was, there was a significant population decline, and horned toads eat a lot of uh, uh, pesky insects that affect crops. And so they had to crack down on the sale of it because otherwise, like, people were going to start losing crops. So many people were buying these lizards. Um, so Rip's grand cross-country tour unfortunately ended in 1929 when Rip caught pneumonia and died. Oh, no. Rest How do you in, diagnose rest... pneumonia in a horned toad? Exactly. <laughs> like, do they do a little tiny chest x-ray? So rest in power to Rip. Uh, the people of Eastland apparently forgave Rip for his snubbing them previously um, with his big city dreams. They built him a little tiny coffin lined with satin. They embalmed him and they put him on display for anybody to come see him and pay their respects in the new courthouse. The, the fucked up thing is that this lizard's going to have a better funeral than I ever could dream of. Yeah. But the story doesn't end there. Oh, of course not. Um, many things are still yet to happen. Oh, fuck. The horned toad. Jesus. The first of which came um, much later. It, things are pretty uneventful all the way up until 1961. When Rip's body, for the first time, goes missing. Oh. It, in fact, oh. go ahead. What is your question? I thought, I thought this lizard was, like, in a casket. Are they just, like, monitoring this body in this casket? How does it go missing? They, they keep him on display basically as, like, a museum exhibit in the new courthouse. So anybody can just go see him. Like, they embalmed his body, so it's preserved. Okay. So, they're okay, they're actually yeah. displaying the body. I, I figured they actually buried it. At this point. <laughs> but in 1961, Rip's body was taken ransom. That is not an exaggeration. They, the body was gone, and left in its place was a note demanding $10,000. Um, however, local authorities, they, <laughs> they uh, devote all their efforts to finding Rip. They do find him, and he's returned to his rightful place. Okay, so that's two different people in this story who have thought that this lizard was their ticket to <laughs> their financial woes being solved. God bless Texas. The next year, um, there's a, a different incident. 1962, Texas gubernatorial candidate John Connolly came through on a visit to Eastland. John Connolly, of course, best known as being the other guy in the limousine with uh, JFK uh, when JFK was, was shot and killed. Connolly was also shot but survived. Um, so during this visit to Eastland while running for governor, um, Connolly, uh, they take him to show him old Rip. He unwisely wanted to, for some reason, handle Rip's body. I don't know if it was for, like, a photo op or something. And so he reached into the display, and uh, when he went and grabbed Rip's leg to pull him out of the case, Rip, Rip's leg just snapped off. <laughs> so Rip, Rip it, became a three-legged lizard after that point. It's like the scene in Family Guy where they're, like, Brian's mom is, like, uh, like, they're carrying, like, the dog, and her tail breaks off, and she goes, oh, yeah. well, she didn't have much to lag <laughs> about these days. I was picturing that and the one where Peter's trying to uh, throw the dead frog out the window with the shoebox. So yeah, John Connolly reaches in, goes to pick up Rip, and grabs by the leg. It just snaps right off. Um, An incident that would go down as the second most unfortunate uh, moment of John Connolly's career. Um, Yeah, just not the luckiest guy. Can't catch a break. Fast forward to 1973. Rip's body once again is stolen. Um, but this time not for ransom. This time a note was left behind claiming that the anonymous thief had been involved in the original hoax 
and would return Rip only if his other co-conspirators came forward and admitted that the Rip story had been a hoax all along. Oh, damn. Despite all the intrigue... Okay. Now, we have already established that we agree that this is a hoax. Yes. <laughs> but can you imagine most getting probably that do worked up? Yeah. yeah, getting that worked up about making this public. This is like, like telling people in the South that wrestling is fake, and yeah. they're going to be goddamned if it's real. Um, it's it's not like it's not like a, like a nine eleven conspiracy or anything <laughs> like that. Like it's it's something most people already know, and something that ultimately does not matter at all. No, but you stole a dead lizard to make this point to the entire community to reveal the <laughs> truth. Fox Mulder would be very disappointed in you, Cody. Um, no, I think I, my interpretation of what really happened, I think this was just an, uh, an elaborate and frankly pretty good prank. Um, I think someone just did this to fuck with the people of Eastland. Um, like some high schoolers break in and they're like, no, it'd be funny yeah. if we just took the town mascot and said it was fake. So, Dude, you're fucking crazy. So he demanded that his other co-conspirators come forward. <laughs> Despite all the intrigue, uh, that never happened. But one day, officials uh, claimed that the thief had finally just admitted defeat, had sent them another note, and had left Rip at the fairgrounds for the officials to retrieve, which they had. However, keen observers noted that the lizard on display now had four legs. Oh. And so many believe that the new Rip, who can still be seen on display to this day in Eastland, is an imposter. And that 50 years later the original Rip's whereabouts remain unknown. The lizard in the iron mask. <laughs> um, today, Eastland still hosts an annual lizard-themed fall festival called Rip Fest. Um, and apparently they... like He's a big part of the, the town folklore. The, the judges always have um, this goofy little tradition during Rip Fest where the school children will come into the courtroom and he'll have them raise their left hand and swear an oath that the Rip story is true. So there is some parallels to, like, wrestling and kayfabe. I think they all know that this is bullshit by now. But it's so much more fun to believe and go along with it. It, it really is. Life is more fun when you take none of it seriously. So, Old Rip clearly still maintains an important place in West Texas folklore. The rest of America doesn't remember Rip so much. But, and my final point, Rip did inspire something that pretty much everyone is familiar with. In 1955, a guy by the name of Michael Maltese reads the story of Ol' Rip. Mr. Maltese just so happened to be a writer who is behind some of the most iconic classic Looney Tunes shorts of all time, most notably What's Opera Doc, which a lot of people think is the best animated short of all time. Maltese reads the story and is so tickled by it, it inspired him to create a cartoon short entitled One Froggy Evening, which debuted the character the dancing character of Michigan J. Frog, who has a bit of a, let's just say, mixed legacy these days, but a memorable character nonetheless. Yeah, yeah Michigan the Frog was... The, he wasn't even in the, the Looney Tunes cartoons that much, but for some reason people just thought he looked hilarious. Like, if you remember when we were kids, he was the mascot for the, the Warner Brothers Network. Yep. yep. Yeah. Like, everything had Michigan J. Frog. I've actually not seen One Froggy Evening, but apparently it gives him like roughly the same backstory that Old Rip had. Like he was he was taken out of a time capsule and transported here from a different time. Um, 
doing a terrible Al Jolson impression. <laughs> yes, doing doing some uh, very racially insensitive uh, singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the story and the legacy of Old Rip, um, our first animal topic, and I think a very deserving one. Um, just a fun little look into um, the development of folklore in a small town. Always a, a cool thing to consider. Um, so my big question to the two of you then, let's just say you're someone who has some kind of pull, um, in a community like this. And, uh, you, you could create an annual festival based around any particular animal. What animal would you choose? For me, it's an easy one. Uh, Mm -hmm. the most underappreciated animal on planet earth, the opossum. A possum festival. I would not be shocked if there's a possum festival somewhere. I'm going to look this up. I bet you there is somewhere, but they are they are really cool animals. And because they look so just ridiculously, like, aesthetically unpleasing, a lot of people really <laughs> do not like them. But they are, uh, they're really cool. And also they eat, basically they're nature's garbage disposal. They eat the stuff that nothing else will, like roadkill and grubs and ticks and all that kind of stuff so they're they're good to have around and yeah just I, i've always just kind of liked possums we grew up out in the middle of nowhere and uh there were plenty of them around and so yeah we're very very used to them being a, a part of our lives and i think they need to be celebrated how about you jack uh honestly the the pet owner in me should want to make a, ded- a day dedicated to my animals but we talked about it earlier. I love seals. I want seal days to happen. Nice. And my idea for seal days is just everyone just kind of like lays on their backs and people just throw food at them. And if you catch it, you get to eat it. And that's seal days. And the, that's all it is. And at, the, and at the very end, we all get up and sing Kiss from a Rose. I was going to yes. say, who is your musical guest going to be? Is it going to be seal every single year? It, He'd probably it do ha- it. It has to be seal. It has to be seal. And we can throw fish at seal too. So good answers both, but before we go any further, I did look this up, um, and I wanted to share this. Um, I did find there is a possum festival in um, uh, historic Wausau, Florida, which uh, is in... It had to be Florida. It's in the... Well, even better than that, it's in uh, the Florida Panhandle, which, if you don't know, is basically even further south Alabama... Um, so the Wausau Possum Festival, uh, rated one out of five stars on Facebook. Um, I, I found a flyer, um, last year was the 52nd annual Possum Fest. Um, some of the events that, uh, first of all, I have a website, www.wausaupossumfestival.com. Um, some of the events lined up for last year's festivities, uh, Miss Fun Day pageant. Possum King and Queen contest, pancake breakfast, entertainment all day, arts and crafts vendors, possum parade, which I am dying to see a possum parade. Yeah. Uh, Hog calling, rooster crowing, and cow lowing contests. Right. Musical entertainment, food vendors, and of course, children's activities. This seems like the kind of place that has unironically possum like in the food, like you, you can get a possum pie there for five dollars. Was it was it a goofy movie where <clears throat> there was some possum themed entertainment they went to? I don't remember, but that that yeah, sounds I think it right. Was. Yeah, um, I so yeah, I I have to go because 
You mentioned the possum parade. I must see that. Also, if I can manage to get myself elected possum king, I'll feel good so, about myself till the day I die. They so, give you a scepter. They give you power over all possums. So the, I will put that on my resume. So in the Google images, a lot of the pictures are just of overjoyed rednecks um, holding uh, possums up into the air. Um, but I did find a picture of a. Uh, um, the 2010 uh, possum king and queen. And apparently the point of this pageant is that you dress up to be as ugly as possible and wear the most ridiculous things. Um, like the woman has like false teeth in and yes, I know it is panhandle Florida, but I'm going to give her the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. That these are false teeth. Um, and they're, they're wearing like ridiculous wigs and outfits. So um, all I'm saying is so this is the, now it's... going, this is now going on the list of, of future. Here's a guy field trips. The Wasau. Yeah, it's uh, it's, yes. it's literally the it's literally the King of Fools contest yes. from uh, Hunchback. Yeah, uh, the first ever Here's a Guy Fest coming to you live from Possum Fest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I say it's rated one star on Facebook. In fairness, that's only one rating. So maybe maybe someone got jilted uh, for for Possum King. <laughs> the one person who owns it. The the one person who owns a computer. Oh. Actually, no, I take that back. That's rated one star, 86 votes. So maybe this, maybe this really is, maybe something horrible happens at the possum Look, festival. When all of those other people get out on bail, they're going to rate this a lot higher. So just wait, just wait till the rest of the full, the full votes come in. If any of you have ever been to the uh, Wausau Possum Festival, uh, please hit us up. Uh, here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, I have so- Or any possum festival. So, so many questions for you. So, um- Good idea, Cody, but you were beaten to the punch a bit. All right, well, a fun first topic for everybody, and uh, I believe second up this week is Cody. Is, isn't that what we agreed on? Yep. All yeah. right. Well, without any further ado, Cody, take us away. Who's your guy this week? Here's a guy, Kevin Warwick, Professor Kevin Warwick. Now, we're going can, back into the world I, of science can here. I, can I preempt this a little bit? pull back the curtain just a bit um just properly set okay. the stage so we have a group chat where we all uh we'll, we'll tell each other what our topics are going to be for the week to make sure there's no overlap or anything like that um what cody sent us this week um is that his topic is going to be uh kevin warwick and he told us where he was from and what his profession was and put i want everything else to be a surprise so I think we're gonna about to be in for some pretty insane shit. Yes. So yeah. I hope this you're all gets excited. weird. Yeah. This gets really, really nuts in some places, and I wanted to kind of see some organic reactions. Um, I'm, I'm Kevin stoked. Warwick was by born in 1954 in Coventry, England. Um, showed an aptitude for science at an early age. He got a PhD from Imperial College in London. And again, like I said, we're going back to the well with science because. Guys like this are just so prevalent in science, and I'll get into what I mean by that specifically a little later. Um, his work mostly deals with uh, artificial intelligence, robotics, and biomedical engineering. Um, but he's also contributed to the fields of mathematics, industrial production, and power engineering. Literally all the cool parts of science. Yeah. 
For sure. Like all the stuff, all the stuff you wanted to do when you were a kid and you wanted to be a scientist before you learned that you would probably have to do something boring. This is the guy that actually yeah. gets to do all the fun shit. Yeah. The only missing thing is, is digging up dinosaur bones. That's the only thing missing <laughs> from this. That's what I want to do. Talking about his uh, work with AI. So again, biomedical engineering is a big thing for him. And basically um, what this AI, the groundbreaking one, he created does is it reads and translates cultured neural networks. So basically like homegrown organic brains. Oh shit. So he has created a robot that reads and uses an organic brain. Well, I, Holy I, shit. I, I foresee no way this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's only mildly <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people read this and go, it's super cool. When I read the list of stuff he does, it is mostly like horrifying to me. But ah, yes, I am familiar with pop culture. Robot with a brain. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, he also, on the cooler side, developed an AI named Gershwin who can recognize what makes a hit pop song based on previous examples. They like loaded all these hit pop songs into <laughs> Gershwin. And he, like, analyzed it and broke it down and has got the formula figured out to the point where it was actually able to compose its own songs. Now, actually dope as fuck. This, this is a joke that I think is only specifically just for Cody. Um, can he gargle Gershwin like Angus McGonagall? Gorgeously? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if he has the uh, physical attributes to gargle but i'm sure if he did he would gargle it gor gorgeously you know how twins that is a muppet show reference yeah you say, i was wondering you know how how twins supposedly have like esp and shit since we we're two years apart we don't we don't quite have that but we do we basically have that only for muppet references <laughs> yeah so yeah um shit you derailed my whole thing for an angus mcgonagall reference <laughs> something about gershwin wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my joke. So wrote a pop yeah. song. Oh, okay, yeah, Gershwin, uh, to the point where he is actually able to compose his own songs. Now, it could not find any of these songs. Um, I didn't have time to do that bit of the research, but I, I don't know if they are actually any good or not, but apparently they are legit songs that was written by a completely synthetic intelligence. Um, here's where Kevin Warwick gets a little odd in a very specifically scientist type way. Um, Kevin Warwick opines very heavily and very insistently that humans need to use technology to enhance themselves in order to avoid being overtaken by machines. Um, the machines that I'm building are so smart. We need to get better than these machines that I'm building for some reason. Wait, didn't he, didn't he just yeah, put a brain in a robot? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally like... His whole point is, well, we've developed, um, you know, programs that can, you know, make decisions and do all these other things much, you know, more effectively than humans. So we are essentially going to be totally replaced if we don't, you know, enhance ourselves somehow. It's like putting a um, gun in your left hand and saying, I need to invent something to stop this in my right hand so I don't shoot myself with my left. Um. Yeah, it, this is one of the reasons that science is such a great source for material for us. Because you've got guys like this who are capable of genuinely incredible feats of engineering. 
but also can't figure out that the Terminator movies were not a documentary. Yeah. That's an interesting little cognitive dissonance to have. That I mean, that's sort of the thing with it is that like, like it's great to have geeks because they come up with stuff like this, but they're also geeks. Yeah. With all the trappings um, that come along with that. It's it's just really hard to reconcile a guy who's capable of creating all of this, but also thinks the toaster wants to kill him. Yep. It's just it, it creates a divide over whether or not you you really feel like taking him seriously. But he's a major field, a major player in the field of bio enhancement. This research is, to say the least, polarizing. Right. Um, is a topic of serious debate among those who study bioethics. Bioethics and this guy were never going to get along. That's basically the <laughs> branch of science that frowns on literally everything Kevin Warwick has ever done. Yeah. Um, he is also a major advocate for public awareness of science. He regularly appears on TV shows, documentaries. Um, he writes in popular publications, etc., etc., to talk about his work, which some people might say is a scientist responsibly trying to raise public awareness of scientific issues. And some might say is fairly typical crackpot behavior. Um, I'm not going to make a ruling on that, but just throwing it out there. Yeah, you all be the judge. Um, we talked earlier about the robots he's created that use organic brains. This is part of his real passion, which is creating cyborgs. That's <laughs> like... God damn it. I yep. don't think you can say creating cyborgs without sounding like a fucking evil villain. Yeah, but no. he, he is, his passion is creating cyborg <laughs> systems, and to his, I mean, I, to his I, credit, I, he's been able to do it. <laughs> so yeah, like I hate to paint with a broad brush, but <laughs> if your if your life's passion is to make cyborgs, you are a fucking maniac. Yeah, look, I just I love making death rays, and I think there's a really bad stigma on <laughs> death rays. And honestly, when you break it down. Death rays are very humanitarian, if you ask me. The guy who has a lot of death rays. Um, but yeah, what a cyborg system is, is, for those uninitiated, the fusing of organic material with machines. Um, another thing he tried very hard to do and was capable of doing a little bit was trying to create robots that can like learn on their own without being programmed, that can recognize and synthesize what they see without somebody telling them what it means and just kind of figure it out on their own and, and learn things. Um, again, varying degrees of success with that. Um, some of his creations have been able to adapt to their surroundings and perform their functions pretty well. Some have not. Um, most notably, one of his robots committed quote-unquote suicide <laughs> because it couldn't adapt to its environment. <laughs> Same. I, I could not find any specifics on how, but I, I just imagine that was both sad and incredibly funny at the same time. Have you seen the gif of like the uh, like the walking toys that are like rocking back and forth, and it rocks itself off of the ledge at the toy store? I'm just yeah. imagining that. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't again I don't know exactly what that entailed. It's it doesn't specify how the robot accomplished uh, offing itself, but still, that's a that's a very dark Jetsons episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of dark, here's a here's a good one. Now speaking um, of dark in pop culture, yeah, 
Christ. Well, wait a sec. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, um, no. In pop culture, he's known for creating a robot chair that served tea on Jimmy Savile's TV show. That one didn't land. Jimmy... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No. Jimmy Savile is one of the worst human beings no, I, in the history I, I know of England, is, which is saying but... something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you want to, I'm just saying, you wanted to talk dark. Well, this guy's affiliated with Jimmy Savile. That's pretty yeah, fucking dark. You're right. I was wondering how a robot committing, becoming sentient and committing suicide could get any darker. But yeah, it, associated with Jimmy Savile is worse. You're right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he, granted this was before I think everything came out about Jimmy Savile while he was still like famous, Uh. but he he still did some work for him there. So that's kind of some weird guilt by association um however the thing he is most well known for is his pet project the aptly but not very creatively named project cyborg (sighs) now this fucking guy (laughs) i'm so sick of this This is where (laughs) this guy is fucking krieger from archer at this point he really is except this guy also has some very martial energy oh. <laughs> because since 1998, he's been adding cybernetic enhancements to his own body. He's literally, oh my God. Well, I was doing, he's a, turning himself into a cyborg. You know, I was, I was doing a robot suicide project, but now I'm into something darker. Darker. <laughs> um, he Ooh. is actively trying to become a cyborg and he's very open about that. He's like, I, you know, because that's how humanity is going to survive, is, is we fuse with machines. Um, to begin with, he had a transmitter implanted in his arm that could adjust heat, turn off lights, and interact with other computer-controlled devices that were near him. So, like, he rigged his house with a computer that would interface with this thing, and he just became the world's first Alexa. I don't know... I don't know exactly how like the interface works if he has to do anything to get that to happen. I really I'm hope just, it was like I Dream of Genie where he had to like wriggle his nose or something really stupid like Honestly, that. what I'm just picturing is like he just duct taped a remote to his arm and he's like I'm the remote now. <laughs> well, he du- if he duct taped it to the inside of his arm, I guess that's pretty close to what he did here. Just rip some oh. skin out, throw a fucking Sony remote in there. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if this was all happening, like, in his head and further in a padded cell, that would make a lot more sense than actively trying to cyborg yourself. Well, he wasn't done there. Oh, no. Um, in addition to the transmitter. No. God. In, in addition to that, he had a transmitter, um, uh, another transmitter. It was basically a silicone gauntlet with a complex neural interface installed using the median nerve in his wrist. And its output signals worked so well that he was able to make a robotic arm that they had in the lab at Columbia mimic his own movements. So they just had this robotic arm that was connected to this, this gauntlet he had in his hand and he could like make the robot arm do whatever his hand was doing. What a fucking fruit loop. He's he's yeah. just a, he's a Marvel villain. He's making Ultron. Yeah, this implant was actually somehow, and again, 
I couldn't find the specifics on how they did this, and I also assumed that if I did, I wouldn't understand them. So, <laughs> but somehow they connected this to the internet. Like they with via this implant, they connected basically his nervous system to the internet at Columbia University. So now he can control that robotic arm for where from wherever. Like if he was back home in England and they had it connected, he could still control that arm. Which sounds really cool until you forget to turn it off and the biotech department just catches you jacking off yeah. from across <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean. Um, as it stands, Warwick's body has actually adapted to these implants pretty well. Um, no signs of tissue rejection. Nerve tissue has actually grown around the electrode. So this is... It's almost scary how well this is working. Like, yeah. That's part of it that really bothers <laughs> yeah. me. I'm, I'm wondering... Like his I'm wondering where the part comes that is going to comfort me. Because <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far that has not happened. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, because Kevin Warwick is still out there today, active in the scientific world <laughs> and active in the trying to turn himself into RoboCop world. Yeah, the lack um, of past tense verbiage kind of scared me. And then I, I was like, he's still <laughs> fucking alive, isn't he? Yes, he is, Other Barry. Yes, he is. <laughs> um. But obviously, he's kind of a controversial figure in the scientific world um, because some people are like, what he's been able to do is really revolutionary. And some people are like, he's still doing modern day Frankenstein shit. Like, there are some huge yeah. ethical problems with some of this. Um, okay. He actually, one of, one of the things he got in a little bit of trouble for publicly was um, there were a couple of highly publicized, uh, like, abductions and murders of children in England at some point. And he offered to start creating um gps that you could safely implant in a human body to mm. implant into children mm. so their parents would always be able to find them mm, don't like, like that like how you Why track your pet like, yeah li Ugh. literally yes they were going to have them chip their children yes dude <laughs> um i which, feel like this again, guy is one blow to the head from thinking he's robocop and that's terrifying he, he's becoming I mean, it, this really is quite the metamorphosis. First, I was thinking he was just a weird science guy. He's yeah. been like a bunch of different Marvel villains. <laughs> like he's also got a little bit of Thanos and a little bit of like Doc Ock mixed in with. All yes. This. And he's he's yeah. starting to transform. Very Doc Ock. He's starting to transform into the cigarette smoking man from the X Files. <laughs> like you're yeah. gonna tell me this guy killed JFK next, and I'm gonna believe you. <laughs> but I mean, he. And there are some people that argue that this is actually not that bad an idea because, I mean, if those kids had had GPS trackers, they would have been able to find them. But also, that's an incredibly invasive thing to do to a human being. Like, because those yeah. kids are going to grow up one day and <laughs> there shouldn't be a way for you to track their body wherever they yeah. are. Like, that's, I think, a human right is the right to some kind of anonymity and to, yeah. to avoid people you don't want knowing where you are. That's a right to privacy thing, I would think. I also, in general, think that we shouldn't have a database of children locations, but that's probably just me. Well, especially, yeah, especially in certain areas of our government. That'd yes. be a really bad thing. Exactly. Well, also, this is America, after all. Whatever information gets collected is going to be sold to private companies that you know nothing about. Well, this is the UK, so ah. the same thing probably well, would also yeah. have happened. It's the um, same thing, but because... with a U after every O. Yeah, the UK, that, that's one thing I wish people understood in the context of global politics. The UK is just America senior. 
Like that, <laughs> there really is not that much difference. It's America, um, but they've been doing it for hundreds of years more. So yeah, got himself in a little hot water over that from the bioethics community. They really don't like him, but a lot of the young tech like people that jerk off to Elon Musk think he's he's really cool. Um, but he's still out there doing it, still um, trying to cyborg himself. Um, we'll see how far he gets with it. We'll give you updates if we ever hear that like he's had an eight inch steel penis installed or something like that. Um, we'll we'll keep that a running ticker. But my big question for the two of you is if you could become a cyborg for a day, what would you do? And I'm going to forbid the answers of playing sports or fighting crime, ah. because those are too obvious. Damn. Sports is definitely. What so I was you've for. got, you've got yeah. some kind of cybernetic enhancement and you can be as creative as you want with that, but you've got a day to just fuck around with it. What are you going to do? Hmm. I'm, I might be old fashioned here, um, but I'm going to imagine that I'm just like cyborg from teen Titans uh, I'm just gonna rob a fucking bank. Because uh, yeah, who's going to stop me? <laughs> you, you said, I've, I've got like a I, pulsar I, cannon said, for forgot, like an arm. I forgot to. I forgot to yes. forbid committing crimes. Yes. You just said stopping. Yeah. Com- not, committing yeah. is is totally on the table. Yeah. No. Like it, honestly, like if if I can, if I can get away with some shit, and assumably they're gonna come look for a cyborg, and tomorrow I'm not a cyborg. Cool. I just robbed a bank. I am going to uh, rent out my services, uh, opening up jars for people. There, will not, there will not yeah. be a pickle jar that can stop me. You might make more money than me, the person who just robbed a bank. <laughs> See, I feel like if I were going to cyborg myself just for just for a joke, I would have them make me into basically a real life Inspector Gadget, yeah. where I just become a Swiss Army knife of a human <laughs> being. But one thing I really would like to do, I think, if I were doing this, would be to have them install pogo sticks in my legs mm. and just boing around town all day. <laughs> oh, I just saw Jackass Forever. I can't tell you, too, why you saying pogo stick is traumatic after watching <laughs> Jackass Forever. <laughs> but you will oh. soon find out. All I can imagine is that it's in somebody's ass or nuts. One of those things might be true. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> All right, look, we're gonna have to see that now. All right, that's. Uh, I know yeah, what we're doing this Sunday. <laughs> that's the that's the psychotic uh, life and career of uh, Kevin Warwick. What a fucking freak that guy is. No oh, kidding. Nice. The the first guy we've covered on here, who I am actively terrified of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually all the psychopaths are dead and have been dead for like. 200 years and i'm usually pretty comfortable laughing at them he's listening to all of our internet right now he's actively going to kill me after we hit stop record yeah on on his apple watch on the inside of his wrist <laughs> he's he's got a brain thing that says somebody just mentioned my name and it scans like the recent words and like, mm, a lot of those were negative i need to go kill this if, guy if he's a legit um modern day annoying tech bro it'll just be like he'll have a google alert set in his cerebellum <laughs> It's oh god, yeah. He's he's going to kill me one day. Yeah, not if that, I have anything to say about it. Hand. <laughs> he's not yeah, gonna get fucking, in line, motherfucker. He's not gonna fucking beat me to it. 
All right. That was a fun topic. Um, I, I'm glad I withheld some of that information because yeah. I liked watching the two. I liked watching oh. the two of you take that roller coaster without knowing what was coming. That broke me for a little bit. Is it? Can you call it a roller coaster if it just goes straight down the entire time? <laughs> was, I mean, there are like roller a, coasters like that. That was just a yeah. falling elevator. <laughs> yeah, it, it was more of a. It was more of a series of lateral moves. It was just yeah. from one insane psychotic thing yeah. to the next. That was falling downstairs. All right. Well, uh, yeah, another another uh, fun, fascinating topic. So I'm excited to see what Jack John has for us this yeah. week. So let's get right into it. Jack John, who's your guy? I have somebody a little bit more subdued than uh, Evil Cyborg, but I think someone who's fascinating nonetheless. I have Sylvester Roper, um, who ended up being born in November 24th, 1823 in Francistown, New Hampshire. Unless I'm missing somebody, is Sylvester Roper the best name we've had so far? Mm, Chuck Denham. Well, Chuck Denham, I, I think. Sylvester Roper's I, up there. I mean, as far as like the actual guy who is yeah. the topic, Chuck Denham's the best um, sub guy yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I don't know. Gise- Giuseppe Zangara is kind <laughs> of a cool name. He's pretty great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Giuseppe but still yeah, might I, be I, just I the peak of everything that we've done. As, as far as as far as Anglo-Saxon names, I am willing to say that that is the best one we've had yet. Yes. Um, Sylvester Roper ended up being a very intelligent child uh, right out of the get-go. Uh, he ended up showing a vast mechanical knowledge and talent from a very young age. And uh, to prove this, at age 12, he made a stationary steam engine, even though he had never seen one before in person. So he just fucking built okay, a this... steam engine. This is starting to sound familiar. If you tell me this guy turned himself into a cyborg, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Yeah, the the first cy- cyborg of the 1800s, Cody, I beat your topic by about 200 years. I mean, if you've seen that movie Wild Wild West, um, it did happen. He He's not going to end up building a giant mechanical spider, but he is going to do some very impressive things. He, he reminds me already a little bit of Ben Banneker. Because Ben Banneker's whole deal was like he just wanted to build a clock, so he just did. Right. And yeah, wanted to build a steam engine, so he just does. Yeah. That is that and, is a type of brain that I will never possess. Right. And he ends up doubling down on this skill and knowledge. At age 12, he ends up building a locomotive engine. So a different type of engine, but essentially the same general concept of he understands from a very young age mechanical engineering at like a very, very high point. He's essentially building these engines, just basically being like, yeah, this should work. And does it really well. So we'll fast forward a little bit. He's 19 at this point, And in 1842, he ends up um, kind of still proving himself as a young inventor. Ends up uh, making an amendment and building a better form of a padlock. Uh, the padlock had already been around and invented. But he ends up submitting and getting a patent for an improved version of the padlock. He's not only just if kind of like good. If you tell me that he literally built a better mousetrap at some point, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> he's he's working his way up. He, he's going uh, small engines. He's he's doing the padlock now. He's he's working his way through mousetrap. But he ends up like essentially proving his worth as a uh, inventor. He ends up uh, leaving uh, the town that he grew up in in 1854. Uh, still wants to focus on building machines, and he ends up moving to Boston then. Uh, and at that point, he really starts kind of dipping his toes on a lot of different mechanical engineering aspects. 
and Roper ends up inventing the hand-stitched sewing machine in 1861, and he also invented a hot air engine and filed several different patents along the hot air engine. So he's really still kind of focusing on engines, but at this point he's just showing that he can kind of build shit and it works. Yeah, yeah, he can. <laughs> um, he's At this point he's building engines that are ranging anywhere from one horsepower to four horsepower, so, again, like, this is way before cars. There's really not any, like, modern motorized technology. He's building small engines that can do some pretty incredible things considering the times. Then what ends up happening is um, the Civil War ends up breaking out, and he ends up going to work at the Springfield Armory during that time. And he starts learning how to make guns and learns up actually doing some pretty uh, fascinating uh engineering with guns as well okay so uh, i don't love guns. where this is going yeah, you don't that's not something yeah. you like to hear it, it's not it's not necessarily sinister it's actually pretty fascinating he ends up inventing the choke uh for the modern shotgun oh, which basically what that does um is shotguns kind of spray very very uh sporadically in almost a v-shape it tightens the pattern, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he ends up being uh, in on the patent for uh, establishing the choke on the shotgun, which is really cool. And he had a couple other patents, none of which were like super, super of note, but a lot to do with like machine fire or machine gun firing and like repetitive firing. And is like really kind of helping, you know, help the modern machine gun as well. But that's not necessarily what he's known for. They invented a device that if you shoot a machine gun continuously for a certain amount of time, it makes a smiley face pattern. <laughs> and then he would uh, he would partner with Cody's guy, and he installed that gun into his arm. <laughs> oh God, oh, boy! Oh, boy. Uh, so um, after the war ends, he still really wants to kind of go back to doing uh, more uh, machine uh, in- uh, operated engines, and that's kind of really what his passion ends up being. And at this point, he ends up inventing the steam carriage and what was called the velocipede which is essentially like an old-school bike, uh, one of like kind of the wooden and steel-framed bikes, he ends up making a steam-powered bicycle, which would end up being like his big, big invention. Nice. Also in Wild Wild West. Wow, that is a movie we're getting way more mileage out of than I thought we ever would. <laughs> yeah. and Wait, we're probably getting more mileage out of it than the movie makers themselves, <laughs> frankly. Well, well, yeah, but that's not hard. Speaking of a watchably terrible movie... Yes. It, Absolutely, it's, it's one of those. It movies is a god awful movie, but it is really, really fun. It's a movie that I enjoyed as a kid, and always said that I liked it without revisiting as an adult. And then I rewatched it, and I went, "Oh my god!" I've told so many people I like Wild Wild West. I need to go to apologize to a couple people. Yeah, it's again very bad, very fun. Totally yeah. recommend it if it's on Netflix yeah. or something, but do not pay for it. So, what's great about this? engine that he's essentially making is that it's attached to a bike in a very not necessarily safe manner because again this is still the 18 and early 1900s so essentially if you're going to make something you're not necessarily looking at safety you're looking at can I do this and what ends up happening is the way that this engine is attached to the bikes is that the engine is fastened to the framework except that it's kind of like right in the middle of the seat so the seat kind of like is almost in the way of the engine. So you're basically, it's almost like a modern motorcycle where you're just straddling the whole fucking engine. 
I sounds see. not terribly comfortable to ride. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And uh, unlike modern motorcycles, uh, this was uh, fueled entirely of coal. And again, because it's steam powered, you also have, uh, you know, the entire steam spout coming up with that, too. So a very I'm just imagining some guy riding a motorcycle down the highway, shoveling coal into the engine. The whole yeah. time. It, it was uh, it was something I saw. Let me let me go back. It basically it had to hold just like a shit ton of coal in it to work. So the frame of this bike <laughs> is just incredibly fucking heavy, but it's still it's built essentially on top of a bicycle. So it is an incredibly hard piece of like machinery to maneuver, and it also becomes incredibly dangerous if you fall. You're essentially falling with like 150 pounds of just dead weight yeah. falling immediately on you. So Sylvester ends up inventing a couple more things, and one last thing that I'll uh, note that he invented that I absolutely love that he did. And let me pull up the exact name so you guys can appreciate exactly what this ends up being. But Sylvester ends up putting in a patent in February 6th of 1894, which he just calls a fire escape. And I looked up <laughs> these patents for the fire escape, and essentially what it ends up being is a giant metal hook and just a rappel line that comes down from it. And that's his fire <laughs> I, escape. I thought you were going to say it was a hit song by the band Fastball from 1997. <laughs> yeah. But it, essentially, it's almost like it's like a superhero, like a Batman utility weapon. It's just a giant hook with a bunch of rope coiled in, and you just free quick, fall with a rope. Quick, Robin, fetch my hundred pound hook. And it's, it's, it's basically God, it's, steampunk Batman sucks. He's a fucking <laughs> fucking Leatherface sees the giant hook and just starts grinning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he ended up having uh, some pretty weird dimensions outside of the motors. Uh, but the reason why. Sylvester is so fascinating. Is Sylvester ends up end up being one of the few people in history uh, to do what he did. And in 1896, he ends up taking one of his uh, most up-to-date bikes that he had made. And he decided to do a test around a track with it. And he's at Harvard during this time. And he's kind of like taking it around the track to test it. And he basically wants to see how he competes racing against other cyclists. So what, what year and was this? This is in 1896. And if you're paying attention, Sylvester is 72. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so Sylvester is, is too old to be doing this. I was going to say, is, I, I really hope, this is probably a little bit too early for there to be footage of it. Um, but I that that is quite the shame because I'm imagining all the like, early footage of, of like failed flying machines. Uh, yes. And I think this would go similarly, but I, I guess we'll find out. It takes out. off and just immediately explodes. Yes. So Sylvester does a couple laps around and essentially there's a lot of other cyclists on the track at the time. Cause it's essentially just a giant oval track and they're just testing out speeds and they want to see how well he can kind of keep up with everyone else on the track. And he ends up putting up about, 23 miles per hour or so they were able to estimate by him oh, like wow. speeding around the track and he's just fucking flying past everybody and they're like this is amazing and he's like essentially like taking a victory lap and he's like you know i could probably push this thing a little bit faster oh no you know <laughs> I, I know this thing is capable of more hi i'm so Syl the track i'm sylvester roper welcome to jackass <laughs> so the the track clears 
And he ends up going, and he ends up hitting a total speed of 40 miles per hour. And he's just fucking flying in this steam-propelled bike. This is like the most unsafe fucking thing. And this is this is before the uh, invention of like modern cars or actual like proper motorcycles. So this is just some incredible shit. Also, this is back when like he was probably like, "Well, better steal my nerves with this half a bottle of whiskey." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, uh, Sylvester Roper is seventy-two at this time. Was this before? Because I forget the timeline. Was this before the era where people were just taking cocaine? constantly to cure ordinary maladies because i could see I think that maybe having... and shit i, was I think medical stuff. cocaine is still pretty regular at this point i'm pretty sure that could maybe have something to do with this yes yeah yeah so uh unfortunately for sylvester uh as he's uh coming around the third turn uh spectators uh they're live notice that his front wheel is starting to wobble and again, to remind you, this is essentially wooden tires and a steel frame holding 180 or like 150 pounds of coal and steam and pure steel and holding up this 72-year-old man. Going 40 miles per hour in a fucking circle. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's start. My, my, so my, my, my sympathy only goes so far because yes. when you are testing out a newfangled driving machine and you get to a yes. certain speed and you have made your point, your instinct can't be, let's just keep going yes. faster until, yeah. until what? What, 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 right. what do you think yeah. was going to happen? And, and I listened to a podcast, or not a podcast, it was most like a video of a dude yeah. talking. He said, this is my podcast, but it was like 10 minutes long. But it was obviously really interesting. A podcast he was worse like, than ours? <laughs> uh, yeah. honestly, he, honestly, he was really helpful. It was like, his entire like, stick was shorter. like, hey, I know, I know motorcycles and here's my perspective. And basically he was like, yeah, the brakes that were on this bike that he made were the equivalent of the ones that you see on like a regular bicycle. They were the ones that just kind of like oh, clamped God. down in like a U shape around. They weren't drum brakes or anything, or like they were just like the kind of like grab the tire and try to stop it instantly kind of brakes. I am so I I'm, am... I'm guessing as soon as they were applied, they just snapped off like toothpicks. So, I, I, I'm very interested to find out how hurt he is about to get. So, Sylvester so crashes and tumbles miraculously in front of all of these spectators. And as uh, a doctor who was left on site goes to check on Sylvester, they check him, they notice a small cut on his head, and they instantly declare that he is dead. What? <laughs> That's uh, jumping to conclusions yeah. a little bit. I mean, I'd poke him or something. They, they, they honestly they give him like a quick look over, and they're like, oh, he's fucking dead. Uh, as it turns out... It's unknown if this happened before the crash or due to the crash, but Sylvester Roper had a heart attack while operating <laughs> the spike. Oh, jeez. The most predictable disaster <laughs> in the world. Can having can having uh, the world's most intense erection give you a heart attack? <laughs> if you're Jonah he, Falcon, yes it can. He, he had such a boner that there was literally no blood in any of his organs in his heart, lungs, or brain, and he just collapsed instantly. No, but they, they basically were, were just like, we can't medically tell when this heart attack happened. We just know that it happened in the last five minutes, and that he's dead now. So, this is literally, he's doing the um, 
the meme where it's the news uh the newscast screen um quote from man stabbed what are you gonna do stab me (laughs) yes and what honestly what i love about this is he was he was respected in his time there was a full page uh spread in the paper that next day um and what i love about reading some of these old-timey articles is just how poetic they were like if you if you see like a news article today of somebody who dies there's like oh you know uh, John Grogan dead today. Here's what happened. The front page, the very first words that you see in the article that posted about Sylvester's death, died in the saddle. Ah. Uh. <laughs> At least they didn't call him That's like an old go. kook or something yeah. like yes. that. And then like, after it explains, Cra- after it explains, crazy what old happened, man dies after riding apparatus <laughs> in very unsafe manner. Um. Uh, Sylvester Roper was riding a steam-powered bicycle, had made fast time on Charles River Park when he suddenly fell, had shut off the steam as an on-premonition of the end. <sighs> Man. Wow. I have mixed feelings on this ending for Sylvester Roper. Like, on one hand, genuinely, having a heart attack during all that is, like, the most painless easy way that that could have ended for him because he was going to die at the end of this let's let's be honest (laughs) once he hit 40 miles per hour his death was certain yes that is the best way for him to go out yeah on the other hand i was gearing myself up do you remember the old like uh uh online game happy wheels yeah it's like a quap style you're trying to to uh maneuver a bike and if things go wrong your body just like explodes and and your limbs go flying (laughs) yeah um, my old roommate Tom loved that game. That's what I was imagining was going to happen. Like his, yes. his, he was, he was just going to, he was just going to explode. His parts were going to go flying everywhere. Right. Is what I was imagining. <laughs> he exploded from pure joy. Yeah, it, and it honestly, like I said, he he was respected of his time, but unfortunately, he doesn't get a lot of the credit that like he probably rightfully deserves. Again, he was a pioneer in creating essentially what is the first motorcycle. Sadly, the way that the motorcycle is defined today is by a combustion engine and not a steam engine. So they essentially equate the invention of the motorcycle to happen a couple years after this because of the technicalities of the engine that's used. Why are why is the motorcycle community splitting hairs on this? <laughs> like that's that's fucking close enough as far right. as I'm concerned. And uh, luckily deserve some credit for this. And, and they do give him a little bit of respect. Uh, he was uh, awarded the Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 2002. Uh, but I did want to read a quick blurb uh, out of a local paper that talked about his death. And it said, ever since 1859, he had been at work on various uh, contrivances for conveyances with steam as a motive power. He was exhibiting his engine applied to a modern safety bicycle with a view of ascertaining it to qualities as a pacemaker for bicycle racing, he demonstrated his utility, but did not live to receive the congratulations on his achievement. <laughs> so they were basically like, dude, you did so much, but you, you didn't quite hit it. I I can see like a weird, moderately unsafe looking steam powered motorcycle as something that they would sell on like Pawn Stars. <laughs> and this was this was Sylvester's bike. He died on this bike. And and look, I'd love to have this in my shop, but it takes up so much space, and I I, I got to find a buyer. I don't think I can run this thing. <laughs> no, that's how that's how uh, Chumley died. 
They, they do a crossover with West Coast Choppers, and, and they build him that bike. <laughs> Honestly, his death will probably be much dumber than that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the story of Sylvester Roper. He holds the distinction of being uh, technically killed by his own invention. Uh, and unfortunately, he does not get the credit of the invention that killed him uh, in, in a basic term. But my question to you guys is... Is that Sylvester Roper died? Essentially, had it been a different engine, would have been in a blaze of glory. Uh, if you have to die in a dramatic fashion, how would you want to go out? So I am going to be the only one that volunteers to change the course manually on the nuclear missile. Um, right before it's been launched, I'm going to pull a Doctor Strange love. Yeah, I'm going to go out. <laughs> Riding into the sunset, um, doing a big old yeehaw, uh, riding atop a nuclear warhead, and then I'm going to be blown into a billion pieces. Um, like that. I am going to be uh, uh, shot and killed by the authorities um, smuggling uh, Hank the Tank out of California. <laughs> and I will. How the hell it. would you accomplish that? I will make a scene out of it. I think Hank the Tank is going to smuggle you out of California. Uh, I, I don't know a good way to do it that doesn't involve stealing a Brinks truck. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to be trapped in a Brinks truck with a bear just in case he gets temperamental. But... I'm, just, I'm just imagining you like driving erratically down like a busy San Francisco street. Hank the Tank has got like one hand out of a Brinks truck. He's holding a Tommy gun. And just like saying that like, you'll never take us alive, and just like shooting at cops, <clears throat> standing on the running board, just lighting them up. So the other the other day on my way home from work, I was driving through a, a rather affluent part of St. Louis, and I was right behind a Brinks truck, and I was there. You get like weirdly nervous about it, like because you just never know what what might be about to happen, right? You know? You're like I've, I watched. I watched every Batman movie, and these always seem to get robbed right about this time of day. It's it's feeling a little heisty out here today, boys. <laughs> good, good answers to both of you. I I want to die in a way that it doesn't necessarily carry on my legacy, but I want other people to be stuck with it. I want to have like loud, loud, loud diarrhea in public. So much so that it kills me, like dysentery <laughs> blowing out my ass diarrhea. But I want like, people to be stuck with the screams that I make like, while shitting my brains out. Like so loud that the news gets called, you know? Right. Like there, there's a I, scene and there's a crowd and, and they hear me shitting. Where where would you like to be when that happens? Like if you could like, pick what, what the venue is for this yeah. horrendous outbreak of, of liquid death. I had thought about it and like, it would make most sense for me to be at a fast food place, but I think I need to be at like a, a Walmart or like a Sam's Club to get like the maximum amount of people to be there for this. So you're just standing there like, what, what? Oh God! And then yes. All hell breaks loose. Just, just, just out of absolutely nowhere. Just violently shitting in sporting goods. <laughs> it looks like Dave England's uh, fire hose rodeo <laughs> and jackass too. Violently shitting in sporting goods, the John Grogan story. Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure that's a Waylon Jennings song. <laughs> it's not, it should be. 
It, if only Alex could swear in video titles, this episode would be called Violently Shitting in Sporting Goods. <laughs> it's tempting. All right, well, uh, what a what a fun... I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to call this episode? This was a wacky episode of Here's a Guy. Yeah, it yeah. got zany. Three <laughs> wacky, zany episodes. Uh, or three, yeah, three wacky, zany topics. Um, and uh, uh, for that, we're all thankful. So hopefully you all enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, it's been a, been a pleasure making you laugh once again. Um, so before we leave you, um, let's all three go around and uh, uh, hawk our shit. Cody, where can the people find you? You can find me over on Twitter. I am at Son of Gravy for 2069. You can find me here weekly on Here's a Guy. Um, and also, sometimes you can catch me over on Jack's uh, Twitch channel playing D&D with uh, the three of us and our good friend Pookie. That's right. Jack John, how about you? Where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Jack John Jose. You can find me on Twitch at Jack John Plays Games. And this Thursday, I'm not sure if this episode's going up on Wednesday or Thursday, but this Thursday, when this episode goes live, uh, Pookie and I are doing a special Belchcast Live on Twitch. Yes. It'll be the one-year anniversary of our first episode. We have, I think, 22 episodes now in the can. We don't post as regularly as this podcast, but we have 22 episodes where the fun shit. We're going to have a really good, fun, drunk live episodes. They're some of our favorites because we get to talk to people while we get hammered, and we say that a lot of dumb shit. So please check that out. Absolutely. Be sure to check that out. I'm sure I'll probably be there. So, um, um, you know, being acting a fool in the comments like I, I like to do. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll invite you into discord and we'll let you talk about now you see me. Mm, don't don't uh, don't write checks. You can't cash there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, that is a Hall of Fame level bad idea. <laughs> if you want to see Alex maybe do that. Check out uh, check out my Twitch on Thursday. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and today we'll be asking Alex about now you see me. <laughs> um, so for me, you can find me on Twitter at Turpin Perez. That's Turpin for, uh, as in the number four, P-R-E-Z. Um, follow the podcast Twitter account as well. Uh, here's a guy pod. It's the best way uh, to stay updated on uh, when the new episodes go live. We tweet those out um, basically as they go live. So um Check that out as well as any other tidbits and snippets. You never know. Sometimes, sometimes I, I you know, we, we say interesting stuff on there. Sometimes I, I totally uh, forget about it completely. So we go weeks without saying anything. But um, anyway, follow us regardless. Uh, we'd very much appreciate it. Um, we have a Gmail account as well. It's here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Send us whatever you like. Um, so, yeah, another fun episode for all of you. We hope you join us again next time. And to wrap ourselves up, Cody, um, I'm dying to know what your tagline is this week, if you have one. I do indeed. All right. Well, once again, thank you all for joining us. Hope to have you here next time. Take care of yourselves. Um, Cody, take us away with that tagline. Good night, everybody, and support Hank the Tank. That's right. Bye, daddies.